You're listening to Culture Camp. Tune in each week to hear from an amazing lineup of athletes, CEOs, founders, and more who have created winning cultures in their organization. Each will share the secrets to creating a culture in your business that will lead you to thrive. Are you ready? Here's your host, Jason Haugen. Welcome back to another episode of Culture Camp. I got a really fun one for you today. Happy Monday, everybody. It's going to be a great day. I got the vice president of Legacy Power, Seth Grady. Seth, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Dude, Seth Legacy is blowing up, man. Yeah, it's it's been a wild ride, but we're we are consistently growing every year and been fun. Yeah, and it's kind of like I was talking. So I got I got a chance to go into your guys' office. When? Um, oh, it was a few months ago. How was I not? I, I don't know. know about um, this. Doug was there. Oh. Doug. Um, not Phil, because I was calling Phil, but yeah. Doug was there. <laughs> yeah, Doug. Um, and then I don't know the person next to his office with all the crazy shoe collection. Luke. Luke. So yeah. he was not there. My and shoes then, are better. Luke. Yeah. I saw you. Way better. Got some heat on Luke's today. Luke's are sick, though. Yeah. No, he. I was like looking. I was like, dude, he's got the freaking trio of the Yeezys, the yeah. OG Yeezys. I mean, it's pretty I, crazy. I got those for him. Just saying. Oh, yeah. Well, then I guess. I like to here. flex on him because he's going to hear this. So. <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, cool office, man. Like, cool, yeah. cool vibe, everything going on there. I mean, you guys are just like taking up the whole building. I feel like a couple, bunch of floors and yeah. So uh, it's, it's been cool though, to watch, watch everything go on for the, I mean, I've been in, you know, the network marketing space and then I was in, you know, a lot of, a lot of friends that switch over from network marketing to door to door sales. Cool. And it's just been awesome to be able to, to see that going. And I got, you know, a friend that, you know, I didn't know how close he was to you, but uh, well, I guess acquaintance of mine that I guess is just crushing it. So it's, it's yeah. super cool to see what you guys are doing for, for people. I like door to door because it takes people, that maybe wouldn't have had an opportunity to do something else or just trying to figure it out. And then all of a sudden they can help propel their life like yeah. 10 X of what they ever thought they could. My favorite thing about it. I'm the perfect example of that. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm excited to get. So let's get into your story. Cause um, you know, I've, I've don't know everything about you, but I have heard some really good things about you that, and everything that, that you guys are doing. And a lot of that is because of you. And so, yeah, I'd love to hear kind of your story of how you got into, you know, what brought you into the space? What brought you into door to door? Cause I know you've been doing it for a while and then mm-hmm. kind of transitioned to legacy. Sure. Um, so I started door to door in 2010 and just to be how like open and do you want me to just shoot it? Just, all just shoot it. Yeah. Just, cool. just be you. So 2010, um, I've been in jail for a year prior to that. Um, I had been, engaged to a girl that I dated for a few years, um, a really good girl, but I was kind of living like this double life. Like I was selling drugs for a living. I was doing a lot of things that ended up getting me in a lot of trouble. Right. Um, right before I went to jail that time, she got pregnant. So I was in jail while the baby was uh, given birth to, she placed that baby for adoption Um, which I was, I was really, really against, but you know, it's hard to like, not understand where she's coming from. When you look at like the life I lived and all the stuff she found out, like she's coming to court appearances and seeing pictures of me moving duffel bags, you know, stuff like that, like really shady stuff. And anyway, so I, I get out 2010, I've just lost like this child to adoption. It was really hard. Um, family had completely written me off. And this is all like the interesting thing about like my background and what I've, what I've been through, which I've been through a lot. Yeah. Uh, is that it's all by choice. And I always like to clarify that because almost everyone else that I grew up around that I ran with and did all this stuff with was kind of like thrust into that position. They had no other choices or it was like generational, like their dad's doing the same thing, their grandpa. And I like had a good family, good background, good upbringing. There was, I mean, my family has our problems like any family. Right. Um, But I kind of just sought it out from a really young age. So anyway, get out in 2010. Um, I like have lost the use of my right leg from the knee down. So I have this like limp, this like brace thing I have to wear. Um, Wow. No money. uh, No one really to help support me. I had like a Samoan family that would take me in a lot, a bunch of other families too, but like some buddies are gone. Some buddies are at different stages of life, married kids. Like, a, you know, I just have nowhere to go. 
um, my Samoan family's living in St. George. Like there was, there's literally like nothing. I had no cell phone. I had no job. I had 12 felonies on my record. Um, wow. four of which were still pending. So I'm like fighting a case. Um, and it, it was rough, dude. It was rough. Like what I owned, everything I had was in two black plastic trash bags. That was just like clothes. Um, I went to like a halfway house when I got out and I have a pretty, especially back then I, I had like a pretty aggressive attitude towards people. And I ended up getting kicked out of there month and a half in or something like that, two months in. <clears throat> um, and so right around that time, I, I didn't know what to do, but what I did know is like, I, I knew I knew how to work. I had wrestled my whole life and that did not come naturally to me. I sucked so bad for a long time, but I just wrote it out. Um, so I knew I knew how to work. Um, and I knew I had some hustle cause I was always good at making money. Like no matter what I'm doing to make money, I could always put money together. And I just decided to try door to door. I, I had a lot of like pretty negative judgments about it before trying it just cause all I knew of it was like these dudes that I would see at the gym and they would spray cologne on before they go to the right. gym and they all drove a big lifted truck and like, wasn't exactly my vibe. Actually the dude that, that I first worked for drove a giant lifted truck. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Nothing wrong with that. If that's your thing, it was just right. like, you know, the persona, especially yeah. being from where I am there. It's just, there's a vivant bro. It's a thing. And everyone right. knows who they are. I didn't want to be one. Um, but I hit up a buddy that was in the space and was just like, dude, I can sell, I can hustle. I know how to work. By the way, do you do a background check? Right. And he's like, we'll figure all that out. I went down to Las Vegas. Um, my initial start in door to door was pretty brutal. Like it was a smaller company. The group I was sent down with, you know, keep in mind, I've just come from like 12 years straight of like running the streets in and out of correctional facilities, lockdowns, like right. all that stuff. And I'm really just done with that stage in my life. I have no interest in those things anymore. I want to figure out how to like be a normal person, live in this other part of the world that I've never experienced. And um, the whole group that I was down there with the first night, like, wanted to go to the strip club, comes back with a bunch of oxys and cocaine. Like that's the, not the company's fault, nothing like that. But that was the group of people that was there. Right. And so the dude training me wakes up at like 3 PM the next day. I'd been up since five. I, I'm really good with like schedules. A lot of that comes from doing time. Like you get good at programming, yep. having a daily routine. So I've been to the gym. I've been to a meeting, like I've done some things, but we go out on the doors. He just drives around. Um, from like three to maybe six, like three hours yeah. and um, doesn't sell anything. It's like really awkward watching him try to talk to people. And so I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm good, dude. I'll figure this out. Right. So the next morning, um, and, and this is my first exposure to door to door. So I have no idea what's normal at all in, you know, hustling on the street. I started early in the morning. I always did. I started early in the morning. I went late into the night. Cause like, why would you not when you have like in unlimited income potential maximize it? Right. Right. So I woke up early. I did my morning thing. Um, you know, I have, <laughs> I have like food stamps so I could eat. So I like eat my ramen and stuff and, um, wow. walk out the door at, <clears throat> at like seven forty-five or something a little before 8am. And I just remember like, in the living room in this Airbnb, what well, wasn't, I don't think Airbnb was around, but the house we were at, there was all these like contracts and they're like from your side of the table to mine, like long contracts you unfold. And I knew there was three and then these folders you put them in. So I just like grab a stack of papers. I don't know what I'm doing. And I walk out the door. Um, and I, it like hits me as I get to the end of the sidewalk and I need to turn left or right that I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> like, right. And I was like, well, shit, I guess I'm going to go left. And so I go left and uh, started knocking every door that I saw that looked like someone was home. Um, and it took me, you know, I, I was really fortunate. I don't know why, like some people have a really hard start to figure it out. Um, and it takes them a long time. I don't know why I was fortunate to be this way, but it, it did take probably, you know, four or five hours. It was like 12 or one. 
I finally get in the house. I'm able to make it make sense to him. I don't know what I'm saying. I probably made no money on the deal because I had no idea what I was doing. Right. But I finally get a person who's like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. Um, and so I call my manager. I'm like, dude, how do I fill this out? This contract is four feet long. Right. They drive over, help me fill it out, get my first deal. And then I think that moment is one of the moments um, that, that kind of, I think that morning, the time, the structure and everything I put into it, and then the moment of like getting a deal and deciding what to do next is something that's really kind of helped me set myself apart from a lot of other people in the same industry. Because after I got that deal, all I wanted to do was get out of the house and knock another door, right? right. I figured out how to do this. Let's do it some more right now. Right. And so I hustled until eight or nine, probably nine o'clock that night. Um, and I had five deals at the end of the day, which like still to this day in alarms is a really good day. Right. Um, and I didn't do five every day. I got five my first day. Wow. That's amazing. It, it was great. Yeah. And I made, I, I didn't know at the end of the day what I made, but I probably made 1500 bucks or something legally that like I can pay taxes on. I could buy a car in my own name with this money. Right. Like it's, it's really dope, dude. Right. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of what my intro looked like. Um, the office didn't work out. Office is a group of guys in that right. industry. Um, and it ended up getting shut down. The regional manager over that office called me and was like, you know, this is like six weeks, seven weeks in. I'm the only one selling, but I'm selling a lot. And they're like, we want you to be a manager. And of course I'm like, cool. Yeah, I can do it. But dude, right. I was horrible. I was the worst manager on the face of the planet in 2010. Um, but that's kind of what it looked like. So I, you know, when the office shuts down, I drove back to Utah again, didn't have a place to live, but I had been able to buy a car now, Nice. uh, rebuilt title Honda fit Love blue one Heck yeah. with 150,000 miles, good gas mileage, dude, it was sick. <laughs> I loved it. I was so excited. I can't even describe the feeling of, of having that car. Um, well, especially even what you came from. Exactly. Yeah. Like <clears throat> it was one of the first times I'd ever had a car registered to me, which I didn't know how to do, like someone had to show me how to do all this stuff. But um, yeah, it was amazing. So I drove back to Utah, moved into an extended stay hotel in West Valley. Um, and I just started knocking around there. You know, I spent a lot of my teenage years in that area and knew a lot of people. So right. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the intro to door to door. Dude, that's crazy, man. That's a, it's an unbelievable story. And I love, I love it because I love to, I, I'm always interested because when you see people, because like I only know you for, you know, you sitting in front of me and your watch and the car that you rolled up in <laughs> yeah. all these things, but it's a, a lot of times like that's our perspective of a lot of people, right? Yeah. We don't see the hard, you know, times for the last, you know, you know, 13 years that you've yeah. been doing this. We just see kind of the fruits of those labors now. Yeah. And I feel like oftentimes we lose perspective on that because like my, I, I always, use example of my mom and dad my mom and dad when i was born was extremely wealthy like we had the jets we had all these thick things we had i mean hell we rolled around in a limo everywhere wow. we went like we had like it was very weird that was out here yeah that was out here in utah so, but i always wish i could have been a fly on the wall and understand how they got there yeah because i was i just yeah. was born into it yeah. and then they were very busy my mom and dad were probably on the road 300 300 50 days a year. I mean, it yeah. was, they were never like, it was more weird for them to be home than they were to be home. Yeah. And, but I was just, I was used to that. Right. But I wish I could have been in the fly on the wall. And oftentimes I have to think about that. I was like, Oh, like that person looks like now I'm really fascinated in things like that. I'm really yeah. fascinated. Oh, look at this person in this, like we have an airplane. And so every time I land, I'm more interested in other people on the tarmac than anything else. I'm like, yeah. what did that person do? What does that person do? I'm always looking at the tell number. What does this look like? I don't know if anybody knows you can do that, but I can look up who owns the planes and what they do, the LLC. Oh yeah, it's kind of freaky. <laughs> I can also track them. Um, but I'm always, oh, that person does this. Oh, that, oh, that's this. And then I'm like, you know, like the Alsco people. I'm like, man, yeah. they got a big plane. What are they, like all these things? Because I'm just interested in the story, right? Yeah. And that's, it's an unbelievable story of overcoming because there's so many people that could have been in your same environment, your same circumstances. And you, you got out. I mean, and yeah. you had that burning desire to get out when there's some people that, you know, probably were with you in, in jail or with you that are probably still there yeah. and just going in and out and just doing the things um, they can also, do. And it's, it's cool to see an industry be able to take someone like no offense, but like yourself yeah. and kind of flip them up, you know, 180 in, in another direction. And now look what you're doing for other people. Cause now only not are you successful, you're helping many, many others 
become very successful. So That's part of what I do, dude, it's it's amazing because you know you're. I mean, especially I mean, I can imagine you saying, "If I can do it, you can do it." Like, yeah. don't give me any excuse. Yeah. Like, dude, I, I limp around everywhere I go. Right? Like, yeah, and, and it's an, your, and it's an door to door. Door to door, dude. Yeah. Come on, dude. It's it's amazing. It's hard for you. Yeah. It's amazing. And we, I mean, we just had a, yesterday we had Tanner, or Tanner Godfrey on this. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know Tanner Godfrey. Uh-huh. I'm one of the Godfrey brothers that do Nitro Circus. Okay. I mean, oh, he's, yeah. you know, I would say maybe partially paralyzed. Like he can use his legs, but he uses, his, you know, canes and kind of drags his feet and does does that. And just unbelievable human being. But he's over here still set the world record and the longest UTV jump being. Oh, I just saw know, that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he was using a stick to drive and hit the gas pedals. Yeah. I'm like, what, dude? And he's like, yeah, I was just full gas. You know, I dropped my stick in the middle of the air and held the steering wheel. And he was like, I guess no brake when I land because I can't hit the brake. You use a stick to hit it all. Yeah. And it was just awesome because just overcoming that yeah. and to be able to do that and not letting it stop you. So when you get, you know, when when that whole thing happens to you in Utah, what what kept you in besides the money? Was there anything else that kept you in the industry? That's a really good question. Um, and it's a big topic and it's actually one that I spend a lot of time on with people because what people are initially attracted to about door to door is the money and it's an industry and all of them pests and alarms and solar and whatever where people are very open and public about what they make most of the time and if they are I think they're kind of shady like they must be hiding something right uh and so people come for the money very often but when you get there the people who stay and the people who do well especially people who get into any form of leadership there's always something way deeper than money and a lot of the time they don't realize that and so for you know for me dude within a month and a half I was a manager in, in hindsight, I shouldn't have been, I should not have been a manager. I barely knew what I was doing. Um, but I immediately am like hitting up all my boys that, that are coming from the same place, all my best friends that like are willing to go do what I did. And even today, like we were at the cabin with Andrew, with a couple of my other buddies that, you know, we grew up together and I was looking at this picture and there's six of us in there and five out of the six work at work at legacy. Like, wow really dope um and so yeah to answer your question that was a long answer but what kept me in that i didn't understand was keeping me in until probably 2014 or 2015 was the ability to like share an opportunity to change with other people um my team for several years you know i my my teams were fully staffed with felons like all people that have been through the ringer there was nobody that hadn't um and part of that is because you attract who you are and i was pretty rough around the edges it took me a long time to stop getting in fights and like just this stuff that i've been doing where i came from right kind of grow up but part of it too was like that was who i was interested in helping that was who i was like wanted to share this with is like other people that are stuck and the reality is if you're locked up, if you're in jail or prison and you're doing a long stint and you're getting out, there's like nothing to help you. If you don't have family and you don't have anything else, you get out and you go to a homeless shelter right. or sleep in a park or like you're lucky if you can get into a halfway house, you have to apply. Man, applying for programs like that in jail is the most difficult process no one is there to tell you how to do it you just got to figure it out or ask another inmate and hopefully they help you like so the ability to like come with me we can put you in some housing we can give you a place to live and and most of these dudes are pretty tough like if you've lived a long time in that world you got some scrap to you most of the time right and door-to-door is hard and so it worked out well um working with just those types of people. But even today, my organization, a huge part of it, even in my senior leadership of the group, um, has has been through that world uh, for a significant part of their lives. And I think that growing into being able to help anyone, you know, I've got got a, a doctor who joined last year in Northern California, and in her first three months made one and a half times what she would have made in a year as a doctor. She went to school for 12 years. Wow. I've got a dentist who works in Phoenix that tripled what he would have made last year as a dentist. Like I have 
a wide variety of return missionaries, educated people, uneducated people, reformed criminals, like all of it. And what's broadened since 2014 or 15, when I started to understand, I actually don't care about the money. Like as long as it's there, as long as I'm set and I can do what I need, right? I really don't care, dude. If I make a couple million more this year, but, but I help less people, my organization does less volume, we win less, or I make a couple million less and we do more, I'll take the latter all day, right. hand to God. Like right. I, I don't care about the money nearly as much as what we do anymore. And so understanding that over the last 14 years has kind of helped elevate me. Sorry, that was a super long answer to a no, simple that, question. But it, it's great because it's a big question. It's it's a big question, and I and it goes along, you know, one with you know culture camp, you know what what yeah. I what I do, and I feel like what a lot of you talk about is culture, but it's the belief of what you're almost setting yourself up for in the future for these people. Like if you make everything about the money all the time, then what is everybody going to keep chasing? Money at different companies. Yeah, There's, yeah, you're you exactly right. I say that all the time. You are literally training them just Someone's to chase the Someone's going to offer money. you more money tomorrow and someone else will offer you more the next day. Right. You're going to be at 36 companies in the next 12 months. Right, which it's about culture, right? Yeah. And then my mom, look, when you explained that you'd rather help more people, my mom would say it, that's when it goes from your head to your heart. Yeah. And then your heart's leading the way and you're doing the things that your heart truly desires and what you want to do is helping people where you're taking the focus off of really things. Cause it's funny. Cause when we, we think things will satisfy us more than they do. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. we, like I bought, you know, maybe a supercar before, you know, had a, I've had a very wide range variety of cars. And every time I get them, I'm like, my life will be hundred percent complete. If I get this car and I get to drive. Oh it, yeah. It's great. I drive it and I'm like, Okay. And then I find myself driving my truck more than anything. Yeah. Or like, I'm just like, ah, like I'll, you know, do this. And like, it's practical. It's, you know, it's, and I'm like, I really don't need that car. So I sell it. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's just, it's funny. You you think like, oh, like when I was younger, like I just, I want to buy a Rolex, want to buy a Rolex yeah. and you buy it. And it's like, no one's ever, like everybody will think I'm awesome. And it's yeah. like, no one's ever even mentioned. And that's what <laughs> everybody will think. That's yeah. what that shit's about. dude. Right. I, I did the same thing. Yeah. Shoes. I have a, Million dollar shoe collection. It's absurd. Like I have no use for these shoes. I've never worn half of them. Really? Watches. But it's it's exactly that. It's like everyone's gonna think I'll be okay. I'll be better when I get there. Right. But you have to get to the point where none of that shit actually right. matters. To like really you, grow. there's nothing wrong with like looking swagged out and having yeah. nice stuff. No, I'm happy like, I but, have them. Yeah, but like that's not. Like when I used to go to like the jazz game, I used to be like, oh, if someone like I wear the nicest shoes. Yeah, you think people, about it. People for will days be like, before. people will be like, oh, like. Like I, in my mind, I'm gonna. I'm thinking people are gonna pay attention to it. No, yeah. I don't think I've ever been to a jazz game. Everybody's mentioned anything about my shoes, my watch, my neck, like anything. No, it's just like or be like, oh, nice, nice necklace, bro. Dude, like, they did you know. a shoe watch thing one time, like a shoe, the cameras showing yeah. people's shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have just Chicago off-white Jordan ones on, and they're highlighting all these other shoes. I'm not saying yeah. anything, but there's like ten people around me, like pointing and yelling. And they don't even see my shoes right. in like a $400 shoe or something right. is the one that they vote on the winner. And it's right. like, well, this is dumb. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it's, I mean, you kind of got to go through that. I mean, everybody yeah. kind of does. I, I, mean, I think when you, it's normal. You know, it, it, and it's just, I believe it's like how you, how you grow through that. Right. For it's, sure. It is going from your head to your heart because it feels like there are some people that it just stays in their head yeah. and they're like that forever. But then a lot of, you know, maybe individuals like you and I would kind of just shy away from them and be like, Hey, we're going to really do things that we really want to do. Yeah. And that's helping other individuals. Now, do I like seeing you know people on my team do that? Yeah. It's a yeah. blast for me because oh, I'm for like, sure. you know, they're going to buy this car or buy that watch or buy go on this trip. And they're going to say, okay, like that's, you know, then, you know, I mean, five years, I'm going to ask them if that mattered. They're probably going to say no, yeah. but for the time being, that's their goal, their dream. And I do think as you mature and you grow and, you know, maybe you have a fan, like different things, like your goals and aspirations and your dreams change for sure. Um, but, but it's funny how like we, you know, we grew up our whole life. Oh, I just want this. I just want that. Yeah. And it's like, it really doesn't matter. But then we get so much satisfaction from helping other individuals. I mean, yeah. I, that's what I loved about network marketing is that I got to, you know, I didn't make any money until other people made money, yeah. which is very similar. Sure. Like I really wish that I would have started in door to door instead of done the network marketing thing. Cause it was, I mean, I lost pretty much everything. Um, but thank God for my dealerships and other things that we got going on. But, um, it's just, it's awesome platform to be able to help people to do that. Um, so, you know, going through everything you're going through and, you know, growing your team and doing all these things, how did, you know, when did legacy enter your life? Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, they're, they've always been a big player or really one of the very few big players in the solar space. And so 
my first like encounter legacies uh founders are, are doug robinson and luke tune yep um my first like encounter with them was actually they came to vivant for a period of time there's a lot of noise about them um i spent a, a long period of time at vivant myself and um it's a very segmented company like depending on the leadership lineage that you're in really you kind of have like this set of beliefs about everybody else and it's crazy but that's that's kind of how our industry is in general um but they came and um and doug and luke both have really good reputations as just like good dudes really fun to be around i didn't know either of them well and then they left and there was all this drama about you know doug was like going to be a vp of vivant but now he's leaving starting a solar company Vivint sued him um, for a couple of years for three or four million dollars. I don't remember exactly for leaving and for taking people, which were his people that he brought in the first place. Right. Uh, it was controversial, and so I I knew of them pretty well from that on, and I actually gained a lot of respect for for Doug and Luke just for kind of having the balls to like stand up to Todd Peterson, the, the owner of Vivint yeah. and uh, Todd's an amazing human being, respect him a lot. Um, but not a lot of people can like stand up and fight. And then they won the lawsuit. They countersued. They won that. It's like, wow. Kind of looked like justice prevailed on that one instead right. of the big boys bullying everyone else. And so that was cool. Um, but it, it truly entered the scene for me in 2019 um, end of 2018, <clears throat> I'm at Vivint. Things are going great, making really good money, um, you know, for, for that period of time in my life. And uh, had a lot of success in door-to-door. -door. Man, I grew a ton at Vivint. I learned so much there. It was for sure and is for sure the best alarm offering there is right now. Really? Um, and Vivint, dude, I'm, I'm uh, pretty, like how I was raised and who I grew up with. We're just, we're, we're loyal, like to the death, like right. no matter what to our people. And so I had known about solar for probably two years and I had seen people with half the skill and grit that I have go to solar, make more money. In fact, in the same market at Vivint Solar, I had some really good friends that would like tell me like, yeah, I work three, four hours a day. I'm, bro, I'm on the doors 12 hours a day, six days a week. I don't take sick days. I break a bone and I keep knocking. Like that's how I work. Right. And I would see them making more than me and just be like, damn, I wonder what that's like. But it never even crossed my mind to leave because I just, I'm going to die here. Like that's right. how I am. Um, as long as it's reciprocated. And, and it reached a point where, there was just a ton of personal drama in the life of my direct leader. Um, and, you know, he, he, he did some stuff. He tricked a buddy of mine, comes from the same world as me, same background that had, you know, found his way out. We're really, really close. He's now a regional with me at Legacy. Nice. And that, that one right there, like, caused me to just kind of snap. And when I saw that, I was like, nope, we don't, we don't screw our friends over. We don't do that. It's not okay. Right. That was kind of the, the, the final straw for me. And so I was like, all right, well, I should check out solar. Cause there's, there's deep shit. It's making more than me there. Right. Um, so I looked into solar, but I had been around in door to door at this point for <clears throat> nine years. And, you know, I, I did over 300 alarms every year, which is like top 0.01%. Nobody does it that many years in a row, especially while running a big organization. And so um, not to like brag or anything, but I, I knew that I was going to be sought after when I left. I knew I could find a good place to go. And so I kind of told myself, like, I'm going to find a place to just make money for like six months in alarms while I figure out what solar company to go to. Right. So that's kind of what I did. I did alarms for a period of time. I met with 22 solar companies. I was like, wow. Even companies I like knew I didn't want to work for just so I could learn and figure out more about solar. Um, and legacy was, was a front runner the whole time. The other contender was, was Vivint solar just cause it's like comfortable at friends there. Vivint, Vivint solar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of a natural fit. And, and towards the end it, it came down to the main four things that, that I was looking for. <laughs> Um, the first one for me with every human being I encounter in life, I'm like rigorously strict about this is trust. Like 
if I can trust you and you need anything at any time of day, I'm there 100%. But if we have have no trust, like I don't care how much money you have to offer. I don't care how much volume your company's doing. I don't care how cool you, none of that matters to me. If we don't have trust, we have nothing. So the first thing was trust. Um, Doug in particular earned my trust pretty quickly because again, been around a, a little while. And so taking a lot of meetings, had a lot of people try to recruit me and I kind of knew how to get hard answers out of people and right. 99% of people when they're recruiting you will just like smooth their way over a hard answer and make everything sound perfect and great. And Doug would just legit like sitting in his office while he's recruiting me, be like, no, we're going to suck at that. You're going to hate that. It's going to drive you nuts. You're going to put your head through a wall every time you deal with this thing. Right. And there's like five or six of those to where I was like, all right, this dude's not going to lie to me. It's right. dope. Um, so I found trust. <laughs> um, my first week <clears throat> knocking doors for solar again was just fortunate to like be able to figure it out pretty quick. Um, but I, I went and I sold seven solar accounts. Um, and I'm pretty like blinders on head down when I'm going to sell. Don't really think about anything. I just work all the time and sleep and then wake up gym and work. And so I'm driving home Saturday night and I'm adding up these seven deals of what I understand the math to be and i'm like i think i just made like dude i can't even remember now i used to know the number but it's like 74 84,000 or something like that in one wow. week and as like a a very very high level alarm performer my best week was probably 28 grand 30 some, somewhere around there like which is wow. awesome still yeah. coming from where i do but my first week in the industry i'm like doubling that and so I just knew that was one of those moments, like I'm driving home, it's nine thirty, ten o'clock at night, <clears throat> adding up what I made. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do in solar, like, but it's going to matter. I knew, right. I knew it was going to matter. And so I, I knew I needed to find a place where I could like build something big. I had done well in alarms, but not remotely like I've done in solar. Um, right. And so the second thing I found at Legacy was the ability to scale, like systems, processes, like technology that helps you run payroll, like a sales support staff to answer questions for new sales reps, competitions platform, like those types of things, you know, so that you yeah. can really grow. Because without those things, you have a human being manually doing every single little thing in this massive, intricate contraption. Right. And you, you can't recruit 50 guys overnight, 200 guys at once. I recruited a team of 40 this morning that we plugged in and they're ready. Like you can't, wow. you can't do that. Um, so the second was scale. First was trust. The third one that I found um, that I knew I needed was like, uh, was, was a culture. There's a few ways for me to describe that. And culture is super hard to quantify, which you understand because you have a podcast built on this. It takes right. hours to explain. For sure. Um, but the best way I could quantify culture is by looking at, does the organization work well as a whole? If I meet different leaders in different states that work with different lineages, do they get along? Or is it like what I experienced at Vivint where I'm with the whole company and my understanding of everyone else is like, that's your enemy. Don't talk to them. Don't speak to them. Stay away from them. They're going to, you know, really. And I got a really nothing negative about Vivian. That's just been the right. experience I had. Well, I mean, and I think that I comes learned a lot so from much there. I have don't want to sound like marketing world because like network yeah. marketing, like you're not allowed to talk to anybody. Yeah, because they'll recruit your, your people, right? Yeah. yeah, like you literally like it is a taught thing from stage. Like yeah, they call it cross lining. <clears throat> you cannot talk to anybody. You can't even make a friend. Can't hang out. Like you do not talk to anybody. It's not in your group, which is tough to yeah. Because like you <laughs> like go, you go to a conference scale. with thousands of people, you're like. Then you're like, what line are you in? Oh, I'm in this. Oh, I can't talk to you. Bye. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, okay. See ya. It's weird. It's super weird. I actually didn't know that, but that yeah. is very similar to what I experienced. I was just taught they were all my enemies. And, and at Legacy, as I talked to like this regional from one area and a regional from another and stuff, I got this feeling they were all one. I think the culture of Legacy in large part comes from Luke Toon. And so I spent a lot of time with him and... <laughs> You can't spend time around that guy and not love him. If you do, yeah. you're just, you're a bitch. Like, you suck. Because right. he's the best. He's yeah. just fun to be around, easy to love. Um, so I got a feel for the culture from that. Another thing that I look at for culture is, like we talked about, I try to look at what people are making versus their volume. And the reason I do that 
is because at a certain point, you don't need money anymore, no matter right. who you are, especially when you look at age. And they've got 22, 23-year-olds cl- clearing half a million, you know, stuff like that. Like, all right, he's not working because he needs money. He's focused on something else. And so that was a way to quantify culture. And I feel like I, I found and experienced that at Legacy. Right. And the fourth thing, and I put it forth very much on purpose, um, is is compensation, is pay. Um, because, A, it's relevant. It needs to be one of the four things. You don't join a company without understanding how you're paid. Right. But if that's all you're focused on, like we talked about before, then you should go find the person that pays the most and ignore everything else. Um, And and you're never really going to do anything because your pay plan, your compensation plan does not determine your income. That's not how it works. Um, But four was pay and, and pay made sense. Like it was fair. Like, like I was, the things I was getting in exchange for making a little bit less per kilowatt made sense. They were present, you know what I mean? Rather than than just making less for no reason. So that, Enter legacy, um, six month process of vetting, exploring mainly for those four things, and um, found them. And it's just been <clears throat> like, it, like a third life since coming there. For really? like, you know, there's this first life where I'm I'm a knucklehead kid. I'm like getting suspended in fights by before I'm in junior high, arrested by seventh grade. Like that life, you know that sucked right (laughs) really bad that i chose and then there's like this life of alarms which was like freedom is how i would describe that like i felt free i'm all around the country different cities every couple months or year making good money built my first house and then there's like legacy where truthfully like i feel like i became a man at legacy really yeah wow that's amazing and and you know, from the outside looking in, like I, I, you know, follows, you know, some people in legacy and you're all over the Utah jazz arena. So, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, you have to see it, Yeah, but the culture and like the vibe just looks, it honestly just looks badass. Yeah. Like, it, like the you. conference, like one of the conferences you guys had looked insane. I think it was down in Vegas. Uh huh. Looked insane. Yeah. Like you guys have, I think you have a incentive program, something with shoes. Yeah. That is sick. Like I, I've heard some really cool things and people try to emulate that. Like I, <laughs> Dude, we get copied. It's like one of my hashtags. You're not like us. Cause everything I do every year gets copied within a year. Right. And then once one person does it, everyone else has the balls to copy it too. So it's, yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, but that's good. Yeah. Flattery, yeah. right. Is everybody yeah. try? But, but the biggest thing that they can't copy is the culture and, yeah. and things like that, because that's, that's a feeling that's, that's like you said, it's hard to quantify because that's just, it's just something that you have to feel. It's like listening to an album in your car versus going to the concert, sitting yeah. on the front row, seeing and feeling that, right. Yeah. It's completely that's different. A good metaphor. Yeah, it's a completely different experience. Same thing, I guess is essentially happening as you're hearing the songs, but the feeling is different. Yeah. And I think that's why like, I love like live music and going to concerts so much. Like I am like, if there's any place I go, any bar, anything, I am going to a place with live music. I think it's the greatest thing ever, but it's the feeling you get. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that culture of that thing. It's, it's crazy, especially what music can do, but more so of what you guys can do. It's like, you can talk about it, but you get in and you feel it. Yeah. And that's the glue. That's really what the glue of keeps the company. And that's what you're like, you're not training people and teaching people to chase something that, is never ending battle. I mean, if you just right. chase, if you just train people to chase money, it's a never ending battle. Yeah. Like I will always try to beat somebody else. Yeah. And especially like, I'm sure what you've come across is your high performers mm-hmm. because a lot of them think, okay, well, I can just go somewhere else and I can make more money. And you know, people heavily recruit them, change compensation <laughs> plans and make them X. Yeah. And then, you know, them knowing in their mind in a couple of years, they're going to tune it back down or whatever. Yeah. Like it, it shifts up and down, but it's really the culture of what keeps people in and high performing high performers in. And like with us and what we do, I'm always more worried about them because they'll be like, I, I can bounce and go go somewhere else. And so we have like a rating system, and which is a lot of what my consulting and software does of people, but just making sure that they're taken care of. But it's really the culture that really does that. Yeah. It's it's not like it's not bugging them, micromanaging them, figuring out. It's just, hey, man, you want to go to a jazz game tonight? Sure. Yeah. Hey, you want to go like, hang? what are you doing this weekend? Let's go up here. Let's go do this. So that That's the culture. And, it, and it's not everything. Like I think a lot of tech companies get it wrong where they feel like they have a you know skittles and m&ms in a break room and free drinks and that's culture it's really yeah. not because then you're just training people that 
the break room is really the only thing that matters or a ping right. pong table or things like that. Now that is really cool. That's a part of it. Yeah. But it's <clears throat> so much of a deeper, like you can almost kind of get crazy and say it's like a spiritual thing. Like it's a, it's a feeling like when you, like when I walked into legacy's office, I was like, damn, this is sick. Good. Like, this is sick. Like it makes me so happy. Yeah. Here. Like I was like, Dude, like I was there with. I feel the, the same way every morning. Yeah, dude, it's awesome. <laughs> I, I went there with Sean Whalen, and we were just. Oh, dope. Okay, we I like, remember when he was there. Yeah, yeah. so I was there and with him. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, dude, this is sick, and he's like, this is insane. Yeah, like this is wild. And going in, and like I like the cool, like everything is exposed, and you get to see that, like it's just the the vibe is just sick. And the offices are. Un- I got a couple of pictures of Luke's. His is the best yeah, office in I've ever seen. Really. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah, he's got like the off white rug. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, dude, it's like off. custom shelves with lights yeah. and the shoes. And yeah, I'm actually just jealous. That's why I talk so much crap. Yeah, I mean, his office. Cool. Hey, you, it sounds like you might have a better shoe collection. I do. So you can just keep talking. That shit. Yeah. yeah, keep, we'll yeah. Focus yeah. On that. <laughs> but um, with, with top performers um, and, and really people in general, I don't, you got to tell me if network marketing is like this, but my, my thing with our culture is like, our culture has evolved a lot. It's changed a lot over even just just being notorious at, at Legacy over the last four years. You know, we've got professional fighters we sponsor that are a big part of the like all these different things we do, and and we're we're actually extremely atypical for the door to door industry. Extremely, most of the industry is is flat brimmed hats. My life is perfect. I never swear like i hide everything that doesn't look perfect to everyone else who lives around here right um and and ours isn't the opposite of that it's just like whoever you are yeah whoever you are is fine and like we do these things at my leadership retreats you know the last one um uh we didn't do it the lot the one before in new orleans last fall i had 70 people that earned crazy amounts of money, very successful all in this room. And we started at like five o'clock PM. I intended it to go maybe three, four hours of like, let's talk about our peaks and valleys in our life. And I had a rough year last year. I made some bad choices. I went through a lot of shit. Um, Doug, uh, Phil, Doug uh, (laughs) kicked it off and talked about peaks and valleys in his career. I got super vulnerable of like everything that I had done last year, which again, atypical, like most of my industry would cover that up and I very well could have and, and hide it. And I just told everyone like, this is what happened last year. This is what I went through. Um, I'm, I'm in the, I'm getting divorced, like all these things going on. And um, everyone opened up. You have like, like, gang members crying legit like it's crazy and and return mission like everything the whole spectrum of people but dude's talking about killing someone in the military like and that's our real culture and the crazy thing about even that is that doesn't fit everyone that that doesn't fit everyone there were dudes in that room i ended up almost getting violent that night because i got so mad because there's people that can't do that there's people that can't like embrace who I am, be okay with it, and then talk about it to everybody. And they want the flat brim hat. My wife is perfect. My life is perfect. Nothing ever goes wrong. And and this is why you should think I'm cool. That kind of thing. Right. And they don't fit our culture. They don't fit. And I actually don't even want them. Even if they make me a huge amount of money, I don't want them because I want my people to become better human beings over a period of time. Right. Does that make sense? 100%. And, and I a thousand percent aligned with that because <clears throat> you want people in your culture that fit the culture. You you want like people got to fit in your culture. The culture's not going to fit to them. Yeah. Right. Like you can't cater to the, my mom is say, like dad say like, cause no one's going to get better. Yeah. And the committee called they, who the frick cares about them? Right? They, <laughs> yeah. It's just people over there thinking like, and especially if it's inside your company, like I, I joke all the time, like we will never go to, I'm I guarantee you've never done this, but you, we, we will not go to the hospital and be like, Hey, like I just need a little bit of cancer. Like what? I just want never try that like one, no. one cancer cell to inject in my body. You just have one. It's like, no, you're an idiot. Like that's going to multiply. Like, why would you ever do that? So why do we do that in our companies? Why do we do that in our teams? We let one person or two people create that cancerous division in the company or in our teams. Yeah. And then we're, just, oh, we're okay with it. Because they're making us money. Okay, well, now you're teaching everybody that money matters more than anything. So yeah. now you're going against your values yeah. and the culture. And so, like, managing through the culture and with the culture and creating that be the superpower. Like, I talk about a system-based business versus a superstar-based business, where if everything's based off a superstar, the buck stops with them. Yep. And 
like I like with what you're doing is kind of you can create you can be your own superstar and if it, you know it's 100% up to you what you do yeah it's you know if it is to be it's up to me right like if you go up to it's you have to go do the work then you know you get the the multiplications of that and so you know where you in you know then you create this system that like the system would be the culture so then it's just then you're getting people to just like then you're basing everything off of that exactly right? like the, the culture and like everything is emphasized to the culture exactly. instead of Oh, money or oh, thing or oh, this thing's perfect. Well, if you if you sit there up there and say like I'm perfect, I'm perfect, I'm perfect, or Doug says I'm perfect, I'm perfect, yeah. I'm perfect, then all of a sudden something happens. Like you know maybe you get divorced or something happens, and all of a sudden the whole entire team's gone because they're not yeah. perfect anymore, right? Yeah. But if you base it off of raw reality, you relate to so many more people. Yeah. Like I got divorced and I was was still in my network marketing company. I never told one person. There was maybe three or four people in my life that knew that I got divorced for maybe a year. And I never, I begged my ex-wife to never say anything on, and she freaking blew it up. She blew the whistle on social media. And I, like, I was like, I'm gonna lose my whole company, lose my whole team, all these things. Probably so good for you. And it felt, it felt good when I went to the next conference and everybody's giving me a hug, like anything I do for you. And I'm like, I was living in fear of nothing. Yeah. But I did grow up and my mom and dad were in a company that if you got divorced, you got kicked out. Really? Yeah, Yeah, it was crazy. And so that was what I thought like people would think, right? Especially yeah. the, the That makes sense. The especially the environment here in Utah. That's yeah. a very taboo oh, yeah. thing, right? Yeah. And even though it's like still sixty percent of marriage. It's crazy. Here, like, it's crazy. Yeah. So like but it, but it's I'm not you know, but I feel like in Utah specifically we have a very judgmental society. Oh, for sure. But it's yeah. like dude, look at yourself in the mirror. Okay. Yeah. Like what are you doing? Yeah. And so that was really hard for me. And I felt very alone, couldn't talk to anybody about it. But I talk about it very openly on this podcast about that. Now I have a great relationship with my ex-wife. Oh. I'm best friends with her husband. I watch their kids. Like we, like we are one big happy family. Like you would never know who, like my wife, That's my sick. ex-wife, her husband. Like we are all together all the time. And I've actually yeah. done like a lot of like speaking and like to people that are divorced dads, especially like, hey, like this is how I was able to do this and different things like that because it took a while, like a while for me to get there. But now, I mean, for me to go pick up my ex-wife's daughter and take my our daughter my daughter to lagoon is yeah sure, sure whatever like let's pick her up whenever like we we don't have any really agreements like we, we have like what the state says we have to do but we yeah. we don't freaking care we just do our own thing and it took me a long time to get there and now i've always been afraid of like what are people going to think about me that now i'm hanging out with my ex-wife and my wife and her husband like i get some judgmental on that i'm like yeah you know what i'm just gonna do me because i'm me like I feel like I've been the same person my entire life. I'm goofy. I'm going to joke about stuff. I'm not, life's not super serious to me, but I mean, I get stuff done, but I like to have a good time. And Jason, whether it makes you more money or not, how much better do you feel all the time? Like, I don't just have to, to think say, about not giving a fuck what right. anyone has because to you're say. always living in fear about yeah. what other people are like. Just okay, be you, dude. What, what can I say and can I not say? Yeah, because like even I mean I, I'm the top earner in this network marketing company. When I went to the conference. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I actually begged them for me not to speak. I'm the same way. Because I'm like, I like, like, it's like I, like, well, I now I love speaking. Like Dude, that's my favorite thing in the world. Like <laughs> I'm, like I've spoke hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, and I think my biggest is you know eighteen thousand people. I think what, we did what something. changed to make you like it? Um, yeah, you know, honestly, I grew up in it. I mean, my mom and dad were probably the largest network marketers in the history of the world, mm-hmm. and they, you know, small meetings of them were twenty thousand people. They still hold the largest, the world record, the largest business meeting ever held at the Georgia Dome. They sold it out for three days straight, 97,000 people. Jeez. And they just got up there and spoke. But I, I love it. Like, I, I love speaking. Like, it is my passion. And that's where I kind of deviated in this network marketing world is I hated recruiting. I was not really the best recruiter, like hard seller. That, like, but I was the guy that could come in and, like, I always tell people, like, I would be the greatest in the world setter. Yeah. Ask me to close someone. That's, that's not me. But that I know you're like they the make, opposite of me because that's what that is is you're good in front of a lot yeah. of people. Setters are great in that audience, but then you get in like a more smaller setting. I'm that's where I'm at ease. That's where I'm at nature. But yeah. like public, a lot of people looking at me. Even like praise makes. I'm just yeah. not. I'm not good at that stuff, yeah. dude. I'm trying but, to get there, and I that's where to, like a lot of my like culture consulting and team consulting is. I have software that plots that out where people are best in their like different strengths and weaknesses of an individual to set them up for success. And so like me hear more about putting, that. putting me in a position to be able to do that. I'll, we'll just sit there and stare at each other. I will talk for four hours. I will never ask you for that. I've, I sold RVs for a little bit when we started the dealership I remember hearing that. and I was like, man, like I got for 
So I'm like, so slide over the contract. And they're like, what do I do? I'm like, I think you just sent it there. Like, I don't, I don't want to talk, <laughs> but I would get them on. Like, I would know all about their family. I would know about where their first camping trip is. Like, that's me. Yeah. Like, I'm, that's me. So, you know, when the network marketing world that we're good, cause I have a twin brother, he is Mr. Like detailed guy. He's Mr. Closer. Closer. So I, would, I would line him up and be like, Hey, go pass him off to him. He'll sign you up and do whatever he's supposed to do. And dream team, whatever. Yeah. And then I would go speak and then kind of keep the, so I fell more in love with the speaking and that side of everything and which didn't really correlate in network marketing because like you yeah. have to keep recruiting and it just wouldn't jive. And then the company got sold and I kind of lost everything and then started the the dealership thing. But yeah. it's uh it's amazing, you know, just kind of what that can, I mean, it's amazing what can do for you of, of really playing to your strengths. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's been, it's been unreal. So, now, I mean, what is what is the biggest thing that you feel? I know you kind of talked about those four things with legacy. You specifically and your team, like, what are the things culturally that you do to like for your for your guys, for your people, especially the, especially the high performers? Because I got a lot of people that will comment on this podcast saying, like, I have this guy that's really amazing. I just don't really know what to do with them. Like, what what do I do? <clears throat> as far as uh, help me understand the question, so I don't go off in a Oh no, yeah, just like what are what like, do I do to so, keep so if I'm like if I'm joining like your culture? team like what do you what is like because I know like every like I know legacy has like its own like vibe and culture but I know you you have like a very strong good team and in training things like that like what I guess what if I was you know you're recruiting me I'm there I'm crushing I'm doing really well how do you retain those people more so than just kind of like I guess what do you do to retain those people that makes sense yeah, yeah. so. The first thing that I think is extremely important and that in the leaders like my my peers that I respect the most that I see across the board, you know, there's a guy called named Jordan Binning who I'm really close with that runs a really big organization. Ton of respect for him. Something unique about him is that in his day on the doors, which, you know, we all get too busy at a certain point to do it. I still knock doors several times a year, but I'm not full time. Right. He was the best. And everyone knew he was the best. All these guys know if he needs to go back tomorrow and show you how to do the job again, he's going to be able to do it. So I've kept that mentality of like no fear of loss whatsoever. If someone doesn't fit our organization like we talked about, I don't beg anyone to stay. I don't cut checks to try and keep people. I don't pay people more to keep them. And that kind of keeps us honest. Like that kind of keeps the group from knowing I don't have to come at Seth with this bullshit story that I'm going to leave so I can get better pay. Because you're going to get it when you earn it, when the numbers dictate it, and that's it. Right. Um, But then, like, hand in hand with that is, I think, uh, my people have a unique respect for me. Most of the organization has worked with me, you know, even at Vivint, like, a very long time. Um, You know, I have hundreds of people that came from Vivint that worked with me there and then saw on solar as I'm training people, as I'm recruiting my first few years in the industry, I didn't take any time off. So if I'm recruiting you, you're getting flown into Vegas at night. That's where I lived at the time. Right. And I'm going to pick you up the next morning if you want to go to the gym. If not, I'll pick you up after the gym. We're going to knock a door before 8 a.m. We're going to spend the full day on doors, and we're going to be home and knock our last door after 9 p.m. And you're going to see what I did to go do what I did my first year in solar, which is still undisputed. No one's ever beat. You know, I installed 232 accounts and made $2.1 million Wow. In personal sales, like not on an organization, nothing like that. And that record stands, which I, I get tired of the letterman. It's old, you know, but right. um, <clears throat> I think, A, that I've kept people for so long because the organization is run on principles, not out of desperation, not out of fear. It's run on our belief system, which is love, trust, loyalty, and respect. We don't deviate. I don't compromise. If you can't honor those things and I, and I see that, you're gone tomorrow i don't care what you make none of it matters and then you know hand in hand everyone experiencing for the most part and seeing themselves especially all the senior leaders seeing what the work looked like to get where i'm at because like you said at the beginning it is way too common that people see where i'm at i've even had people say like dude i just want to do what you do and i'm like first of all come spend a day with me and listen to the phone calls that i take every single day of people like I have to make the hardest decisions 20 times a day. Right. But it's not just that. It's like I couldn't do what I do right now if I hadn't done what I did for 10 years before that. Right. And so 
having people that saw that during those 10 years, a lot of them for, you know, six, seven, eight of those 10 years. And then now the four here, um, I think gives a unique relationship between me and them and then them with their leadership groups. And that kind of bonds us together. So a couple different things I'm kind of jumping around, but I, I think the one most unique thing about my organization, which is truly, truly unique in this industry is that I make none of my decisions based on money. None of them. I am not money driven. I'm extremely aware of that in this point of my career. I, I don't recruit the wrong people. I fire the wrong people. Like I only retain the right people. Right. And that keeps the organization with the highest level of trust for each other and the highest level of like, we have dudes that don't get along and little things here and there, but compared to most massive organizations like ours, um, we are one. We are right. like, we are one group where we have each other's backs all the time. And there's super high trust. And that's because the people that we've attracted over time while filtering out the wrong ones is as they always get in somehow. Right. They all live by the same principles. They all respect the exact same principles. And it's not just a thing we say. It's like, it's how we live. I love that. And, and, and I've, uh, I mean, I, I can tell that cause I mean, I've, I've, I've heard a lot about your team and I think it's very important that that, that, I mean, that's going on because it's so, it's such a hyper competitive world. I yeah. mean, I don't know if you ever read the book Blue Ocean or Blue Ocean Strategy. Uh -uh. I mean, you have Blue Ocean companies or Red Ocean companies, and it's like being that Blue Ocean. I mean, that's a very hyper competitive industry, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's being that Blue Ocean, like that that Starbucks, that it's coffee. And yeah. It doesn't taste that great. Yeah. And, but they're the largest, and it's just being that Blue Ocean. They're just a little bit different than everybody else. Yeah. Um, Southwest, maybe pre. In the last six months because they had some issues but southwest was a blue ocean company yeah that kind of just did things a little bit different against the mold and you know been able to create that and take and change the belief system in, really in the industry because the industry is really focused i mean at least my opinion what i see a lot of my friends or hear a lot of it it's really focused on money for sure and you really see a lot of people jumping from here to there and yeah they're in pest control then in solar then in you know alarms and they're doing this and doing that and yeah. then like they're bouncing back and forth between all these companies, they're really finding a way because they're just focused on chasing the next dollar. But then they're doing that so much, they just stay broke. Yeah. They can never really work on it because like you said, it's been 10 years to now. I mean, yeah. you're the product of really your circumstances your entire life. Really the last 10 years has changed your life, but you had sure. to go through hell until 2010, getting out and then doing what you did. But a lot of people can't see that. And in this world, we don't want to wait. Yeah. We want it now, yeah. right? And it's funny because people... I was like, I want to do you, or I just want to be like this and that. And I'm like, dude, it's taken me a long time yeah. to get where I'm at. Like, I've, I'm young. I mean, I'm 29 years old. But, I mean, I've worked my ass off to get where I'm at right now. But a, a lot of stuff had to happen. And I've been through many, many different lives of almost dying, divorce, like all these things. And company going up, company going down, losing everything. Like, almost facing bankruptcy and different. Like, there's so many things that I've so gone usually through. usually someone that's been through none of that that wants to be who you, that says that, you know? Yeah. I, mean? I just want to do what you're doing right now. Yeah, but okay, sign on the dotted line for a $50 million yeah. worth of, you know, all these things and yeah. do that like that. And it's like, oh, wait, uh, never mind. And yeah. it's uh, it's just interesting how how people, like, they want so much, but they're not really going to really put in the work. And that's why, like, I did a bunch of bodybuilding shows. I love bodybuilding. And, like, you, you, know, you did wrestling. Mm -hmm. It's a... It's a selfish sport in a way. Like I love team sports, don't get me wrong, but it's a selfish sport in a way where like you have to, yeah. you you have to pin them or you lose. Like yeah. I, there's not a whole lot. Yeah. There's not a lot of gray in there. It's black and white. You you get pinned, you lose. You pin them, you you win, right? Yeah. And in bodybuilding, like, I had all these coaches to set me up for success, right? But I had to do the work. Yeah. I had to go to the gym. I had to not eat or eat. I'd do all these things and do it. Like it. it I took it to a little bit of extreme and ended up in the hospital after, but I won first place. So I guess we're there good. You go. But it's just, it's crazy. Cause, Oh, I want to do a show. Okay. We're well, not really going to put in the work. Yeah. Oh, I want to be at this. Or I want to do that. Or I want to be a good golfer even. Yeah. Like, okay. We'll put in the work. Like I, that's me. Like I, I wanted to be a good golfer. Well, I'm like, well, I have a coach for everything else. I'm gonna go hire a coach. Like I'm, I'm freaking not right now. I'm, I'm, I have a coach. Like I'm going all in on, Dumb. on golfing. I used to be really good. I had a period of my life. It wasn't very good. And then now I'm like, I'm getting, got to get back in there. But it's just, you got to put in the work, but a lot of people don't want to do yeah. it. So yeah. one thing um, I want to ask, and real quick, we kind of touched on it a little bit or didn't really touch on it, is how was the transition? You said you were a horrible manager, should never have been a manager. How was that transition for you? 
Dude, it's you learn in our industry, like <clears throat> I'm I'm sure there's some who've had a different experience, but for the most part, when I see like the dogs, like the people running the industry, most of them are pretty self-taught. Um and it's not even the companies they were at's fault. They're just the type of people that are like, don't I'll figure it out, you know? Right. And that is kind of how I am by nature. And so it the progression path throughout our industry for the most part you learn by sucking and so you know i told you my first day i did 12 hours a day well i, I did that my whole career on doors but what i didn't know and, and of course no one told me because it's only leadership after i'm a manager right uh is that that's like not normal like nobody does that nobody nobody does that right. um and so my first summer i take out I don't know, 30 40 guys or something and all of a sudden I come home like the first or second night, everyone's been home. How long have you guys been home? Oh, we came home at four because you made us leave it. We came home at one because you made us leave at eight. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm locking all the doors now. So we're going to have correlation at seven. You're going to leave at 730 and I'm going to lock all the doors and no one's getting back in here until after I'm home, which is usually 10 or 11. Wow. And but shocker, I lost most of my guys that summer. Right. <laughs> like most everyone quit. And so I learned after a couple years of trying to get everyone to do 12 hours a day, they can't do that. But it's still good for me to do it, for them to see that I can go work harder than them, I'm willing to do more than them. And so if I can go do five a day, then maybe I can expect two a day out of my good guys, three a day out of my really good guys. And, right. and that's kind of how you build. So I learned from sucking, dude. I learned from losing all my reps those first couple years of working them to death, of like not giving them enough attention. By nature, I am not a very sensitive human being like the world I lived in just has kind of caused me to harden up and right. not listening to their problems, their complaints. Like I, I'll never forget. Um, I was in Baltimore in 2014. Uh, Baltimore is, is a real ghetto. Yeah, um, it's rough. And I would go straight to the worst parts of every city to knock. And so my car group, that's where you're getting dropped off in the morning and picked up at night. Right. And, and I'm picking dudes up at 10, 11, it's pitch black. And anyway, um, I had this dude as my actually my first recruit ever with a college degree. I'll always remember. I'm still good friends with him. But wow. I pick him up at like 11, and he's been like hiding in a laundromat. His phone died, um, but he had texted me his address before it died in Baltimore. And he'd had like people press him, try to rob him. They'd taken his iPad, all these things, which I'd never had that issue. I don't know why. I know how to carry myself in the hood, but like right. – Anyway, it just had never really occurred to me that that's even a thing. Like, we're out there doing alarms, dude. We're not gangbanging. We're not doing it. We're not on your turf. Like, and so it, it, it legit never, I would leave my car running when I ran up to houses. Like, and I never had an issue. Anyway, I learned <laughs> from sucking, you know, and then I, and then I'm a regional. And so now I'm managing managers who manage teams. Right. And I'm a horrible regional because all I've ever done is manage reps. And so I'm managing the managers like I manage reps and I'm like, hammering shit down their throat and i'm like forcing them to work certain hours and leaders have their own style of leadership and so it took me two or three years to learn how to allow them to have their style of leadership while guiding them in the right way while like one of the principles as a regional is like you go let them bump their head as long as it's just going to bruise them but if it's going to need stitches stop them before they hit the wall right and then give them like a chance that. you know yeah. what i mean um so I, the, the transition was like I sucked for, for years at a time at every level. I was a horrible VP when I first became a VP. Like I, I didn't know how to carry myself. I still didn't know how to live in this world. I had to let go of so many parts of like the old Seth and become a completely different version of myself again. Um, and that took a lot of work from Doug and Luke and, and input of like really um, uh, abrasive and direct conversations with me about things I just can't do and say in the role that I have now. Right. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a process of growing by learning and, and by doing wrong. Right. No, that's awesome, how I learn right? everything. Dude, it's a kind of school of hard knocks, right? Yeah. It's just the thing. I love it is like, don't wait. I mean, I think that's a good lesson is don't wait till you know everything. Cause you will never know any, yeah. everything. Right. Like and you never get there either. Right. You You're always a manager. Learning. Act like a manager now. Right. Someone will give you the title when you earn it, but like start right. figuring out how to do it. Well, and like you kind of be the light so bright no one can help but see it, right? Like yeah. you, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yeah. Like you, you're the one that's like chasing. Like, if, like I can imagine that if you got a brand new rep saying, hey, I want to be manager. And like, okay, these are the things you got to do. And they go out there and hustle. It's like, okay, like I, I see you. Yeah. Right? Like some people, 
you know, you're kind of, you got the whole team and it's like, you know, okay, this person hasn't really said anything. They probably don't want to. Well, then it's like, you know, they find out that they wanted to. And it's like, you should have said something. So yeah. I always encourage people, tell me what you want. Yeah. And I do sit down with people, you know, what is your one-year goal, your five-year goal? Yeah. You know, even with our company, <clears throat> even if we're sometimes a pathway, it's like, okay, let's figure out what we can do for you. Because there are some positions that, you know, are kind of pathway positions to different things. Um, we have a lot of career positions in our company, but, you know, let's let's all be on the same page so I know, right? Yeah. Uh, I think that's super important. So, dude, I I think we've been going going. And this yeah, is an awesome conversation. Time dude. Once, yeah, it's, but been, it's been dope. It's been flying by. Um, and again, like, dude, it's super insightful on on what you do because I know that like you're out there crushing. You heard so many good things about you. Thank you. And Likewise. that it's just been been awesome to have you on the show. Uh, where can people find you at? Like, what social media? Where you where you active? Um, I'm I'm on Instagram a lot. My my Instagram is Seth Granny S E T H dot G R E N N Y. My division's Instagram got stolen, uh, and so they just started a new one for us. It's uh, Legacy, L-G-C-Y underscore Notorious, which is N-T-R-S. So, okay. Um, Facebook, Seth Granny, spelled the same. Love it, man. If, if you're listening to this, follow him. Great, great human being right here sitting in front of you, man. I'm just so so thankful for you. Thank you. You're taking the time. Last question I want to ask you, I ask everybody this question. Last question is, what does success mean to you? Um, success to me is relationships. The most important thing to me on the face of the planet are the relationships, the things I'm most proud of. My best friend for 20 years, dude, I'm 34. I've known this guy since I was 14. He's sitting here. Um, those are the things I'm most, my relationship with Doug, with Luke, the trust that we have, like, millions of dollars can go back and forth without a contract or anything. And we just know we're, you know, right. Those relationships, success matters because it allows you to, to do cool things with the relationships. But, but what I've always looked at in our industry, it's really easy to screw people. And I've always looked at those dudes and I'm like, do you want to retire and sit on a pile of money by yourself for the rest? Right. Cause that's where you're, that's where you're going. That's what right. you get. But if you if relationships are everything to you, if you put your heart and your soul into relationships and you really care about people, um, then then you're gonna have an abundance whether you live in the hood or or in a penthouse. There's no difference, right? No, I I've love that both, man. So, no, dude, it's that that's so true. I mean, relationships are everything. At the end of the day, that's what you got. I mean, yeah. I mean, my I had everything, lost everything. The only thing I had was really. People, my my best friend, they gave me an opportunity to go sweep his floors at his shop. Like it, that's dope. And you know, that 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 was that was him, right? I mean, I that's I don't have anything to show for any much of anything. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I I'm right there with him. I mean, relationships are everything. So, Seth, again, thank you so much for being on the show, man. It means a lot. I'm super excited to keep watching you crush it. I'm really excited to see Legacy keep blowing it up. Keep taking care of all these guys, man. I know that they really appreciate you. I've heard so many good things. So it's cool to actually validate that, right? Like we hear a lot of good things about people um, and it's just really cool to to validate that. And I can, I can feel like what you're talking about, that culture, I can feel like when I went and met with Doug that one day in his office, um, just super cool guy. Like I, I would never know. I, I think I ended up asking him, so what do you do for Legacy? And he's like, oh, I'm one of the founders and I'm like a CEO or something, whatever he said. I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, I feel like a jerk. Sorry, bro. Like oh, I, he doesn't just, care. You know, he in he doesn't care at all. And, yeah, he's it's just the most so like, so cool guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but appreciate you being on the show. If you like this this episode, please share it. Um, sure. You know, I know that there's a lot of people that that can that can uh, you know get help from it, and a lot of people that are going through a lot of things. So, um, if you like, subscribe, please, please, please share this. So, see you next time on Culture Camp. Thank you. Thank you.